here. I don't have no sound. Radio. If you would like your product, service, or your book to be mentioned on the testing, testing, one, two, three, four. <clears throat> sound. Uh, also, want to speak to a point from our friends in Washington, uh, Senator McConnell, who is the head of the Senate. You know, we've been talking about funding for state and local governments, and it was not in the bill that the House is going to pass today. They said, "Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry." The next bill, as soon as the Senate passed it, this current bill. Senator Mitch McConnell goes out and he says, uh, Bear with me. This is this stuff is always um, sort of complicated. You never know what's going to happen from day to day. But anyway, the George Wilder Jr. show is on the air and. There's always something to talk about. There is always something to talk about.
lying area. I know, but it's, you know, it's livable, let me put it that way. I've seen evictions around in this place. And um, they are, and I just want to share this clip from Robert Wright. Um, he may can tell you a little bit better, more about it than, than I can. It's called Brace Yourself for Trump's Evictions. Can we get that going? Trump okay. and businesses demanded America reopen to revive the economy. The people of our country should think of themselves as warriors. Our country has to open. But yeah. we reopened too soon before COVID-19 is under control. So we're needing to close or partly close again, which will prolong the economic downturn and wreak even problems. more havoc on millions of Americans' livelihoods. It never should have been a contest between public health and the economy anyway. The economy has always depended on getting public health right, and we still haven't. Trump has downplayed the risks. He got in the way of governors trying to help people keep safe. And now all of us are paying the price. Brace yourself. The wave of evictions and foreclosures in the next two months will be unlike anything America has experienced since the Great Depression. And unless Congress extends extra unemployment benefits beyond July 31st, we're also going to have unparalleled hunger. Eviction protections for federally subsidized properties run out at the end of July. In some states that enacted their own moratoria on evictions, renter protections are already running out. One study estimates that 19 to 23 million renters, or one in five people who live in renter households, are at risk of eviction by September 30th. The people most likely to be evicted are black and Latinx people, single mothers, people with disabilities, formerly incarcerated people, and undocumented people. This is systemic racism playing out in real time. Meanwhile, delinquency rates on mortgages have more than doubled since March. Unemployment itself is different than what we saw back in March and April. Today's layoffs are permanent, the result of businesses throwing in the towel or permanently slimming down. In the public sector, loss of state tax revenue is running up against state constitutions that bar deficits. This is putting vital public services on the chopping block. Schools, childcare, supplemental nutrition, mental health services, low-income housing, health care, at a time when the public needs them more than ever. In April and May alone, states and localities furloughed or laid off some one and a half million workers, about twice as many as in the entire aftermath of the Great Recession a decade ago. These cuts will be just the tip of the iceberg if the federal government doesn't provide more fiscal aid for states and localities. Let me remind you, expanded unemployment benefits are set to expire by July 31st, leaving at least 21 million unemployed Americans with a 60% income reduction and no stimulus check to fall back on. To make matters worse, over 16.2 million households have lost employer-provided health insurance already. Sherry was abruptly laid off from her auto sales job in April. Her insurance? It was terminated the day I was terminated. The Census Household Pulse Survey shows large losses in income in coming months, along with high food and housing insecurity. 
So what is Trump's and Mitch McConnell's response to this looming catastrophe? Do nothing. Don't extend supplemental unemployment benefits beyond July 31st, when they're due to expire. Don't help states and cities. Reject the HEROES Act, passed by the House of Representatives to keep struggling families afloat and the economy from going into a tailspin. Trump has even asked the Supreme Court to strike down the Affordable Care Act. If the court agrees, 23 million additional Americans will lose their health insurance and the richest one-tenth of one percent of households with annual incomes of over three million dollars will receive tax cuts averaging almost two hundred thousand dollars per year. This is lunacy. The priority must be getting control over this pandemic and helping Americans survive it physically and financially. Extra unemployment benefits must be extended. The HEROES Act must be signed into law. Moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures must be extended. If it's necessary to go back to sheltering in place to contain this pandemic, we must be willing to do so. This shouldn't be controversial. It's the bare minimum of what our government must do to prevent an even worse economic and human catastrophe. Anything less is indefensible. All right, thank you very much for that. Uh, we are in deep doo here. Um, uh, Trump is getting crazier and stupider and dumber by the second. Um, Okay, we're going to take a musical break right here, folks, and we will be right back. Stay with me, all right?
All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Uh, it's great. It's hot. It's well in this neck of the woods. It's pretty, pretty, pretty hot. Pretty um, muggy, stuffy, humid. All of those adjectives. Okay. Uh, as you know, Trump. Uh, well, we have to talk about this, folks. Uh, Trump. Uh, I think his life is worse now than ever before when he was not president. I mean, this guy, I think, is ruined. I mean, he is actually ruined. The presidency is saving Donald Trump's bacon. The presidency is saving his ass. This guy is is like, I don't know, he's ruined. I mean, once he's out of office, he's going to – I just have this feeling he's going to lose just about everything there is to lose. Remember, he had six – he's got – well, he's got six bankruptcies. He cannot borrow money from any American bank. But he has this crooked bank I think he's involved in called Deutsche Bank over overseas, which is being investigated by the feds and other people right now. But they, they can't bring charges Against Trump, they can bring him, but they can't arrest him because he's in office. He's president. He cannot borrow money. He uh, he's like any other person with bad credit. When you have bad credit, you cannot borrow money. You cannot buy a house. You cannot get a car. Your credit isn't too bad. The same with Trump. But he doesn't seem to give a damn. You know, I mean, he's he's also impeached. He's an impeached president. People seem to forget that. Uh, yeah, he's impeached, but he's trying to forget it. He's trying to say it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. The senators uh, in the Senate, the Republican senators who are his, his enablers, they're saying the same thing. It don't matter. It ain't nothing. Oh, yes, it is. It's a big fucking deal that he's been impeached. And he since his impeachment he's gotten even worse <laughs> uh, uh adam schiff said that he was going to get worse and this guy has i mean he is off the hook with with i'm trying to say insanity that's what i'm trying to say i think his life is worse than it has ever been before he's probably and in his mind he probably hates being president i mean all of these books all of these books about him. And I think it's, I'm going to get his niece's book, uh, Mary Trump. I mean, it sounds like it is really an explosive book. It's about family, family. And she's calling him an asshole straight out the book. Uh, straight out of the book, she's calling him an asshole. John Bolton's book, I've read, uh, a sampling of it and you know he may have said some damaging things about Trump I'm pretty sure he has but the book is, the book looks awful it's bad, it's badly formatted it's, uh, it's uh, hard to read because shit is just so jumbled up you know but anyway and there's been other books before uh, these two books that Trump tried to stop and couldn't stop it must be really embarrassing so Whenever Trump try, uh, cannot stop a book or anything that's damaging to him, he looks for a diversion. 
And his latest diversion is he looks for a distraction. This is nothing but a distraction. Him and this um, Secretary of Education, Betty DeVos, are now claiming and demanding, demanding the governors and teachers and educators go back to school. No social distancing, no masks. Just go back to school when there's over 3 million people who have been infected with this virus worldwide. A lot of these, um, they're telling, the thing about it is they're ordering governors to reopen schools as they don't even give any idea of how they're going to do it. They're looking for help from the federal government, but all the federal government is doing is ordering them to do things that they feel that they shouldn't do because the federal government isn't providing with protections for these kids. What do you want? What do you want the kids and the teachers to go back to school, get infected, get sick, or maybe die? Trump doesn't give a fuck about these kids. You have to realize he does not care about the children, even though he's ordering them like he's saying it like he cares. He doesn't. This is political. It's about his failing poll numbers. He's trying to get these poll numbers up. Or he know he is done for in November. Trump doesn't care about the kids. He doesn't care about the teachers. He doesn't give a damn who dies. Just like one newspaper article said, this is a march, uh, a death march that Trump and DeVos, Betty DeVos, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, I couldn't care less. Uh, they're touting out here. As if they're giving orders. They can't give orders to the states. The states, the governors are preside over their states, not Trump. Trump is so much in deep doo-doo, he just can't, he just keep digging. You ever notice that he's in so much trouble and he keeps digging? He's losing more votes. He's saying, open these schools. And the thing about this, not only is he hurting himself, he's hurting his own supporters. He's killing them. He doesn't give a damn about anybody. He's killing them. He's, he doesn't care if you support him. He wants you to send your child back to school so your child can get infect, infected because he wants to get reelected, cares about himself. He doesn't care about these kids. He doesn't care about the schools. But he figures there's something in it for him if everybody goes back to school. And I can tell you this, if the kids go back to school without protections of any kind, and Betty DeVos is saying that the teachers should be, the teachers and administrators, they should have the power to um, sign protections for these kids and get them back in school. It's the federal government. That is supposed to provide the testing, the PPE, personal protection equipment, and they're not doing it. They are not doing it. Trump could do so much right now to try to end some of this shit, but he just pours fire on it. And the flame gets higher and higher and it burns and it burns. And I'm hoping that a lot of governors do not. If their states are are uh, plagued with coronavirus and lots of people, 
are uh, getting sick and dying or dying, they should not open uh, uh, too quickly. Of course, everybody wants the kids in school. Everybody wants the kids in school. But nobody's going to send their child to a school unless they know that their child is going to be protected, will not get sick from the virus, and will not die from the virus, will not get infected. The Trump administration is giving no one, no one, the insurance that they will not get sick if they go back to school and open. The Trump administration, well, a few people die, 100,000 die here, no big deal. Just vote for me. How many of his supporters have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will get sick and die if people, if the governors do like Trump say and rush to open up these schools? I think every time Trump opens his mouth, he loses voters. Because they can't believe <laughs> what's coming out of his stupid mouth. So I'm saying if, if there are states out there who feel that they can open up uh, their schools and protect the teachers, protect the kids, they have um, social distancing and masks in place and they feel that they can do it, well, do it, of course. But if in states like you know, Florida, Arizona, Texas, where the coronavirus is out of control. Hell no. Do not open those schools until you know for sure that no one will get affected and therefore no one will die, especially the children. Because like I've said, and there's other people saying the same thing, Trump doesn't give two cents about these kids. He doesn't. He doesn't give a two cents about these teachers. It's all political to him. It's something that he can put in a, a campaign ad. Just like he uh, used these two incidents and these two places for photo op in front of that church, remember? He marches fat ass on over there and took a... And, and also uh, uh, Mount Rushmore. These were just photo ops to get him, you know, to get pictures of him. Take <laughs> where he can get in the newspaper. And this is too. Everything Trump does is a photo op. Even if he is, even if it's in the video, it's a photo op. It's all about him. It's not about you. It's not about your child. It's not about the schools. It's not about the teachers. It's not about America. It's about him. And Betty DeVos, I mean, she just follows lockstep in with this guy. Whenever you see one of Trump's, anybody in Trump's, and anybody in Trump's administration on television telling you some shit that, you, that you're not going to believe, believe me, Trump has talked to them on the phone and told them what to say, giving, giving them their talking points. And then later on, Trump will come out and he'll say the same thing that they're saying. They're all on the same page. This is what Trump does. This is what Trump does and the Republicans do. They all get in one room or they all get on a, a video call or a speakerphone. They all... And they all get on the same page. They get their lying points. They get their talking points before they go out there to the camera. That's why so many of them are saying the same damn thing over and over again. 
because they've got their talking points. They're following their master Trump. And that's the truth. You know, I mean, they don't, a lot of these Republicans who are following Trump say, well, we're scared. We're scared of him. What the hell are you doing scared of a buffoon, an ignorant ass man, a dummy, somebody who's insane, a sociopath, a facet, fascist, a narcissist? What the hell are you doing afraid of someone that you can get out of office just like that? And I like to tell some of these Republican senators, hey, you're there. You don't work for Donald Trump. You're there because the voters put you there. You don't work for Donald Trump. You work for the people in your district. You work for the, those who voted for you time and time again. You vote for the people. They don't give a shit about the people. It's Donald J. Trump that they care so much about, and I hope they pay for it in November. And there is stuff all over the internet, all over Facebook, saying never, ever vote for another Republican. Vote out every Republican there is. Federal, state, city, local, all of them. Because they're all on the same page. Donald Trump's page. And I want to say this again. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't care two cents about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. If he says anything at all, it's, it's because it's going to benefit him, not your children. Do not open these schools too soon. Do not open these excuse me, do not open these schools without a plan. Do not put those kids together one by right next to each other in these classrooms, especially when this pandemic is killing like no tomorrow. What are you going to do? You're going to um, ask all on these children? You're going to sit them right beside each other? What about recess? Recess, when the kids are out playing. You think they're going to be wearing masks? They're going to junk those masks. This is crazy. This is very, very crazy. How in the hell are you going to open up these schools if you don't have a plan to keep the teachers and the kids safe? You're going to need a better plan than wearing masks. You're going to need a better plan than social distancing when you're talking about small children in a classroom. They want to play. They want to have fun. They don't want nothing. They don't want, they don't want anything on their face. See, Trump and this Secretary of Education, Betty DeVos, they don't care. They just want you, they just want states to follow their demands as if they're king and queen and we are the peasants. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are in some trying times here. We really got to change this shit in Washington. And people need to speak up. 
they need to speak up. Speak up. Don't sit there silent. Because when you're speaking up, you're speaking up for America. Stop being silent. Stop, you know, I mean, speak up. If you see a lot of things and you hear a lot of garbage that you don't like, speak up. But I know why some people don't speak up. They're afraid they're going to lose their jobs if they have one. And some people just don't know how to speak up. But if you can speak up, say something. You see something, hear something, say something, you don't like it, bitch about it. And then do something about it. You have social media, social media excuse me, out there. Make your voice heard. Make yourself seen. Voice your displeasure at all of this shit. going to be wow a long hot summer Businesses demanded America reopen to revive the economy. The people of our country should think of themselves as warriors. Our country has to open. 
but we've reopened too soon before COVID-19 is under control. So we're needing to close or partly close again, which will prolong the economic downturn and wreak even more havoc on millions of Americans' livelihoods. It never should have been a contest between public health and the economy anyway. The economy has always depended on getting public health right, and we still haven't. Trump has downplayed the risks. He got in the way of governors trying to help people keep safe. And now all of us are paying the price. Brace yourself. The wave of evictions and foreclosures in the next two months will be unlike anything America has experienced since the Great Depression. And unless Congress extends extra unemployment benefits beyond July 31st, we're also going to have unparalleled hunger. Eviction protections for federally subsidized properties run out at the end of July. In some states that enacted their own moratoria on evictions, renter protections are already running out. One study estimates that 19 to 23 million renters or one in five people who live in renter households are at risk of eviction by September 30th. The people most likely to be evicted are black and Latinx people, single mothers, people with disabilities, formerly incarcerated people, and undocumented people. This is systemic racism playing out in real time. Meanwhile, delinquency rates on mortgages have more than doubled since March. Unemployment itself is different than what we saw back in March and April. Today's layoffs are permanent, the result of businesses throwing in the towel or permanently slimming down. In the public sector, loss of state tax revenue is running up against state constitutions that bar deficits. This is putting vital public services on the chopping block. Schools, childcare, supplemental nutrition, mental health services, low-income housing, health care, at a time when the public needs them more than ever. In April and May alone, states and localities furloughed or laid off some one and a half million workers, about twice as many as in the entire aftermath of the Great Recession a decade ago. These cuts will be just the tip of the iceberg if the federal government doesn't provide more fiscal aid for states and localities. Let me remind you, Expanded unemployment benefits are set to expire by July 31st, leaving at least 21 million unemployed Americans with a 60% income reduction and no stimulus check to fall back on. To make matters worse, over 16.2 million households have lost employer-provided health insurance already. Sherry was abruptly laid off from her auto sales job in April. Her insurance? It was terminated the day I was terminated. The Census Household Pulse Survey shows large losses in income in coming months, along with high food and housing insecurity. So what is Trump's and Mitch McConnell's response to this looming catastrophe? Do nothing. Don't extend supplemental unemployment benefits beyond July 31st, when they're due to expire. Don't help states and cities Reject the HEROES Act, passed by the House of Representatives to keep struggling families afloat and the economy from going into a tailspin. Trump has even asked the Supreme Court to strike down the Affordable Care Act. If the court agrees, 23 million additional Americans will lose their health insurance and the richest one-tenth of one percent of households with annual incomes of over three million dollars. 
will receive tax cuts averaging almost $200,000 per year. This is lunacy. The priority must be getting control over this pandemic and helping Americans survive it physically and financially. Extra unemployment benefits must be extended. The HEROES Act must be signed into law. Moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures must be extended. If it's necessary to go back to sheltering in place to contain this pandemic, we must be willing to do so. This shouldn't be controversial. It's the bare minimum of what our government must do to prevent an even worse economic and human catastrophe. Anything less is indefensible.
columnist says GOP is heading for a wipeout in the Senate in November. The Republicans are headed for a wipeout. I would love to believe that. I want to believe it. I know you do. That they are heading for a wipeout. And it's because of their master, their king, their emperor. It's because of Trump. They're following his ass right down into the sewer. As I've said earlier, I think they all should be voted out. Voted out. But they will be thrown out, it seems like. And that's good. Uh, People are saying that Trump may not want to leave office once he's voted out. Then get the military in there and drag his ass curb. Kick him to the curb out of the White House if he doesn't want to leave. Prick. So, um, yeah, um, I've heard this before that there's going to be a wipeout because all the polls are are down, way down for Donald Trump. Donald Trump in some places, are he's down by double-digit points. And now he's calling it a hoax. Everything, everything is a hoax to this guy. The pandemic was a hoax. In 2018, he dismantled the pandemic office that Obama put together. Remember how we thought that he wanted to destroy everything about Obama? He wanted America and the world to um, forget that to forget Obama ever existed. That's not going to happen. Trump is the worst president. In the universe of the world. He is the worst human being ever. And now Mary Trump. His niece. Has a tell all book about. The family. This is not about politics. This is about the family. She's. She's uh, telling us how. America. Came to this place. With this lunatic, with this insane, this buffoonish clown. She even calls him a clown in her book. It's just unimaginable that Donald Trump and all this shit swirling around him, how he could just ignore it and go on like nothing's happened and distract. Well, they says he's a narcissist. They call him a fascist. I know one thing. He's no president. He's no leader. Because he still has not defended our troops against the bounty on their heads. He has, he has yet to do that. He's not going to do it because Putin doesn't want him to do it. It's all about Russia. Yeah, I do think that Donald Trump is a Russian asset. I think he's a Russian spy for the Russians, for Putin. And you know something? Donald Trump has heard that kind of talk before. You think he would go to the mic and deny it? Not Donald Trump. Not if it's true. 
He hasn't denied being a racist. I mean, he has denied it in the past, I I believe. But it keeps coming back to bite him in his ass because that's what he is. He is a staunch white supremacist, and he's not ashamed of that. That's why we have so much racism now in America because he's brought out the underbelly in this country. I mean, uh, African-American can barely step outside their door without hearing the N-word because of Trump. And I don't know why black people call each other niggas. They should stop that. You're not a nigger. That's a that's your slave uh, name that the white people gave you when they brought you over here from Africa. They put that on you. You weren't a nigger in Africa. Why should you be a nigger in America or anywhere else? You guys just stop that. Because every time you call, because I think that every time an African American calls another African American a nigger. You're just playing in the hands of the white man. That's what you're doing because they gave you the fucking name. You know, I don't think – I've known a lot of people in my youth, a lot of – that. I mean, they used nigga like it was like meant for them, you know? And stop calling each other nigga. If you, it's not what you are. If you're drunk – a bum, you're still not a nigger. You are a person. Because if you think about it, anybody can be a nigger. White people can be niggers. Chinese can be niggers. Because, you know, most people look at, see the word nigger as something derogatory, something negative, something not right. Anybody could be a nigger. But I don't think black people should be calling each other nigger. Stop it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Um, Trump's crime, corruption, and gross abuse of of his office. That's all Trump has ever done. He has abused his office and keeps on abusing his office. He doesn't care what nobody says. He doesn't care what you think. Think about this. Think about Donald Trump and his cronies loading up their pockets with your money, of course. Donald Trump Donald Trump and his minions and his thugs have stolen so much of taxpayer money. It's unbelievable. Every crime in the book Donald Trump has committed, the Monument Clause, where it says you cannot make money from a business while you're running for president. Donald Trump looked around at the Constitution and sped on it. If we would have known, or let me put it this way, if you would have known that Donald Trump was the way he is now, which you voted for him. I guess some, some stupid people out there say, yeah. But I'm pretty sure the majority of people who voted for Donald Trump wish they had not have voted for him. I mean, I, I see this, I hear it, and people are, are, are hurting because of Donald Trump and his lies, especially the farmers and his lies. 
and his millions of lies. This guy done lied so many. It was something in the book that she said. I believe I'm going to get the book. Um, said Donald. I mean, I thought this uh, for a few couple of years that Donald Trump actually believed his lies. He believes them. And then she says that Donald Trump throw lies at the wall and see which one will stick. Because a lot of his lies about Obama, uh, you know, uh, and a lot of his lies about Joe Scarborough saying that he's a murderer and all this kind of He doesn't say those things anymore. Twitter should take away his Twitter. But, you know, they won't. Mad Twitter. <laughs> he's a mad guy for tweeting. Let's see what else we have here. Um Three million people infected worldwide with the coronavirus. That's infection. That doesn't mean that three million people have died. It's just three million people are infected. Some of those people who are infected, they get well. Some are who are infected, they get sicker. And some who are infected, they die. America, it, it, it seems like we should be the number one country in the world teaching other people, other countries of the world, how to get rid of the virus. We can't even get rid of the virus. And I, I think that one of the reasons why we can't get done with the virus is because people are not following guidelines. Simple. Simple as that. I've talked about this before. People but I have to admit, we were out today, and we saw a lot more people wearing masks than we did the day before and the day before that. People are starting to wear masks, at least in this area where I am. I can't speak for uh, around the world, but if I'm thinking straight here, uh, if people are wearing more masks in my area, then I'm pretty sure that they're wearing more masks wherever you are. Oh, there's going to be a few idiots out there who are not going to wear the mask. But you'll probably see more people wearing their mask than you'll see not wearing their mask. Because that's the key here. Wear your mask. Fuck Donald Trump. Okay? Pardon my language. If there's any kids listening, screw Donald Trump. I think that's one of the reasons why people aren't wearing masks because they don't see Donald Trump wearing a mask. He's the president of the United States. He has to set an example and he doesn't. People are saying, well, Donald Trump, he, he's not wearing a mask and he's, he, he's not uh, sick or infected. That doesn't mean that you should not wear a mask because he's not sick or infected. I heard that Donald Trump gets tested every day for the virus. He gets tested every day, but yet he will not have everybody in the United States tested. He can get tested, but we can't because he's the president. But we can't because he's better than we are. He has a better immune system than we do. We're peasants. We're nothing. We're slaves. We can't get tested. We're nobody. Donald Trump can get tested because he's the king. 
He's the king clown. That's what he's the king of. Anyway, um, GOP is heading for a wipeout. And I'm thinking that's true. Because the only way that Trump can win this thing in November, the only way he can win in November from this point (coughs) is by cheating. That's the only way Donald Trump is going to win this election. He's not going to win it uh, with the popular vote. They can't stand it. He's not going to win it with the electoral vote. It's not going to happen. His polls are too far down into the sewer. The only way and I can bet you right now that Donald Trump has been on the phone with Russia. He's been on the phone with China and maybe a few other countries begging them for help in the United States upcoming November election. Because that's all on his mind is, is this election. And he knows he's a fuck up and he knows even some of his constituents are turning on him. The people who put him in there in the first place, they don't like him because the virus is also killing them. Donald Trump knows he has no way of getting back into that White House. That's why a lot of people are saying he probably should do what? Resign. But we know he's not going to resign. Why? Because he loves power. Why? Because he will go to prison. Those are the two reasons he will not resign. If I, I hope I'm wrong in saying he will not resign and then suddenly tomorrow or a week from now he quits. That would be great. That would be fucking great. But the man loves power. He loves them. He loves threatening people. He loves feeling like he's got his pulse on everything in America. And basically, the book that his niece has written paints a loser. That is what we got. We have a loser and we have a failure in the White House. The enemy is not Russia. The enemy... It's not Iran or China or North Korea. The enemy is sitting in the White House. And the enemy is Donald Trump. And he is fighting Americans. Donald Trump is coming after us. We're the ones he hates. We're the ones he wants to kill and is killing and been killing, coming after us. The enemy for Americans sits in the White House, our White House, where our tax money goes. That's where the enemy is, in the White House. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Okay. 
I, I'm a writer, folks, so uh, go check out my um, stuff on um, my stuff. Is it something? Uh, on Amazon. This is the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We're on just about the <laughs> every day. Not every day, but just about every day. We'll be back. We're going to take a what? Okay, musical break. All right. Hey, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
Now, tonight's other headline, a republic if you can keep it. With his back against the wall, the president has re-embarked on an all-too-familiar campaign to undermine and cast doubt on American institutions. Because he didn't lose control of the House, America did. Almost as soon as the results were in, Trump questioned the validity of U.S. elections, unleashing a storm of tweets in the past 48 hours that, without any evidence, accused election officials in Florida and Arizona of fraud. On Wednesday, he turned his attention on the Mueller investigation, firing his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, for failing to be his dutiful stooge at the Department of Justice. In his place, Trump bypassed the similarly principled number two, Rod Rosenstein, instead announcing the appointment of Matthew. Dr. Robert Redfield was totally misquoted in the media on a statement about the fall season and the virus. Totally misquoted. You were accurately quoted, correct? I'm accurately quoted in the Washington Post. What Dr. Redfield clearly was asking for, just like we asked for every American to follow the guidelines, he's saying, please add to that guidelines getting your flu shot and making and Dr. sure you're protected. You say there's a good chance that COVID will not come back. We don't and know. And COVID comes back. It's in a very small, confined area that we put out. Well, the, the great thing is we'll be able to find it earlier this time. That might not come back at all, Jeff. It may not come back at all. He's talking about a worst case scenario where you have a big flu and you have some corona. But it's all possible. It's also corona, possible like it doesn't eye. come back at all. We will have coronavirus in the fall. I am convinced of that. There will be coronavirus in the fall. So uh, joining us now, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy and a professor in the medical school at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Michael Osterholm. He's the author of the book entitled Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs. So, Doctor, who's right, the president or his top doctors? Well, first of all, let me just fine-tune the message and help you understand that right now, more, no, not more than 5% of the U.S. population has been infected with this virus. We know that this is a highly infectious virus. It will keep transmitting into people. It will try to infect people until 60 or 70% of the population is infected. That's when we develop this herd immunity. So you can just do the own, your own mental math from 5% to 60 to 70%. There's a lot of transmission left to come. It could even stay through the summer, into the fall, well into the following year. So it's here. There is no question about that. It's like the law of, of gravity. It's here. We're going to see a lot more transmission. Uh, do you share the concerns of Dr. Fauci and others uh, that the fall and winter months may be the worst months like we saw in 1918, 1919, uh, because of it coinciding with flu season? Does that present unique challenges that we need to prepare for today? Yeah, I, I think the, the issue with now that this is a coronavirus, not a flu virus, we're not exactly sure where it's going to go next. I can tell you for certain it is going to infect millions and millions of more people in this country over the months ahead. We could very easily see a huge peaks, much larger than we've seen already in this country, uh, occur over the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, the bottom line message is that we could have multiple peaks. We could have one this summer, one later in the fall, one next spring. And again, just keep thinking of that number. 
were 60 to 70 percent infected as opposed to the less than five percent now. So I think we have to prepare for that those big peaks. Just exactly when they'll occur, I don't know. And I think that's important because I don't want people to come away and say, if we don't have a, a fall peak like has been predicted, that we were wrong. No, you will continue to see lots and lots of transmission. We have to prepare for that. We literally are in the second inning of a nine-inning game right now. So, Doctor, how do we live through that? How do we, how does our economy get restarted? Uh, how do we survive that economically? How do we su survive that socially? How do we survive that culturally as a country uh, as we move forward over what likely will be at least an 18-month process? Well, first of all, it's really important that we look at the leadership issue. And I, this is not a partisan statement. I've served roles in the last five presidential administrations. Here in the state of Minnesota, I worked for two Republican governors, two Democratic governors, one independent governor. No one could tell you my partisan politics. We need fireside chat capability over the days and weeks ahead. Yep because it's going to be a really big challenge, and we've got to have a way for us to rally around that. That's the number one ingredient right now for getting through it. Number two, we've got to greatly expand testing. We've got to have people stop coming on shows like this saying test, 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 because we don't have any tests. The tests basically are limited by the number of reagents. We need a national initiative right now to figure out how to make these chemicals that then can do the test, because we do need to test but we just don't have the capability, so that doesn't help. The second thing we have, uh, in terms of public health programs we have to do is the contact tracing and follow-up will be important. We have to do that. The third thing, we've got to make sure that our hospitals are capable of handling these surges. That means also in protecting our health care workers. We are losing hundreds of health care workers on the job every day in these big um, uh, outbreak areas because they're getting infected at work. So we've got to protect them. Those are all parts of then allowing society to move forward and keeping businesses as we can open. But uh, until we do these other things, uh, we're going to have a hard time reopening and staying reopened. So, okay, minus the tests, uh, all the other measures that you just mentioned, prepping hospitals, et cetera, does that create the potential for any type of scenario where we do not see the coronavirus in the fall? No, we're going to see it. You know, it's like gravity. I can't emphasize this enough. There is not a debate here. I mean, if you, if you want somebody to debate you on gravity, then you can have this debate. But the bottom line is <laughs> until we get 60 or 70 percent of the population infected, we are going to see this virus continue to spread. Look at countries like Singapore, where everybody held them out as the standard to say, look at, they've controlled this thing. They, they know how to do this. They know how to test and contact trace. They're now in a state of national emergency where yesterday they had the highest number of cases reported. So again, this is a, going to be a constant battle. And whether we have a big peak this week or that week, we're going to have lots of peak activities where we're going to be highly challenged. That's what we have to mentally begin to prepare for as well as all the administrative issues. And until we do that, we're going to be in this uh, a fool's kind of position of assuming that, well, if we just bend the curve now, get into summer, we're okay. Please wake up, world. We are going to be in this for months to come, and that means we have to prepare accordingly. Willie. 
Dr. Osterholm, it's Willie Geis. Thanks for being on this morning and bringing some of that truth Thank that you bring. Um, wow. I want to ask you about the state of Georgia specifically, because the President of the United States yesterday sort of turned on his heel and condemned Governor Kemp in Georgia for opening parts of the economy. That will begin tomorrow. Governor Kemp says some businesses can be open. Yesterday in an interview up there in Minneapolis, you said that states like Georgia are headed for a train wreck. Could you be specific about what you mean there and game that out a little bit? Well, first of all, anytime you're opening up in a situation where you already have cases increasing, where your uh, systems are already overstressed, and now you're making it seem to people that they can, in fact, go out and have these close contacts, you're just adding gasoline to the fire. And so uh, why? In a state like Minnesota, for example, we still have had challenges, but we've had incredibly uh, high uh, compliance with the distancing issues. We've actually been able to flatten this issue and slow it down. But had we not, we would have seen this, uh, this grow very quickly, too. So Georgia is really sitting on a situation where I think in three to four weeks it will take that long for these cases to develop from people coming back out into the public and so forth. If they do that, if they do that. Remember, a governor saying they can open doesn't mean that they will open. I have a sense from my context in Georgia, a lot of them are actually questioning the governor's movement themselves. So I, I think that it's just a matter of, again, simple uh, uh, infectious disease epidemiology put your people in harm's way, they're going to be harmed. And that's what's going to happen in states like Georgia when they have the data showing the virus is still being transmitted. Mm -hmm. And as mm -hmm. we talk about testing, uh, you pointed to something I was interested in because I've heard this from emergency room doctors and ICU doctors who work in New York City, who I'm in close touch with, who report back after their long shifts there about false negatives in testing. You say 15 to 20 percent of coronavirus tests give a false negative. One ICU doctor I talked to said they're very worried about this idea of at-home testing because people don't know how to use them. You have to be trained in how to test right. for coronavirus. So you could get more false negatives there, more people thinking they're free and clear and going out into society. So how should we be testing? Well, first of all, let's just take a step back and realize we did run into a very serious situation when the CDC was not able to get the testing out that we needed early on. But then to play catch up, the FDA has basically, in many ways, uh, backed away from the very responsibility that they should have of assuring that the tests that are on the market are effective and they work the way they can. Under this emergency authorization process, there are now at least 45 of these PCR tests, the kind that test for the virus, and over 90 and antibody test. And in those cases, many of these have not been vetted, have not been sufficiently investigated to know how well they work. We know with some of the antibody tests, as was described by one senior FDA official, these, a lot of these are crappy. So one of the things we have to do immediately is the FDA has to take control of this. Right now it's the wild, wild west with what's available for testing. We have to assure we have the highest quality tests on the market. That'll help a lot. But even then, they're not going to be perfect tests, and we have to take a look carefully at how they're used. Right now, if you were to use the antibody test in most locations in this country, half of all the positives you would find would be false positives, telling people they're protected when they're not. Imagine if I told you and you were a healthcare worker going into a room full of COVID virus that you wanted to be sure you're protected. You have positive antibody, but oh, by the way, one out of two chances it's not real. 
we've got to do better on these tests. And so again, just test, 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 and the answer. One, we've got to have tests, two, they have to work, and number three, we've got to know how to use them. And we're not having that discussion yet. It's all about what the numbers of the day are, and that is not getting us to an effective and comprehensive testing program in this country, which we desperately need, by the way. We desperately need that. So, Doctor, let, let, let's again talk about the roadmap uh, as we move forward. We're at five percent now. You say, pro you know, probably about five percent of Americans have been infected. It's going to end up around sixty, seventy percent. A lot more Americans are going to be infected. Many the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You from his job, and that's a shame because of Trump's bullying, pressuring, threats. So he's retiring from his job. Trump, who never, ever served a day in the military, has gotten someone who has served his country honorable to quit. Trump should be quitting. Anyway, um, he's also accusing Trump of retaliation. Wow. This is why there's only thugs and goons and henchmen in Trump's administration. That's all. Anybody who's good at their job, he fires. Anybody who questions, questions him, he fires them, even if they're 
you know, what they're questioning is uh, valid. Trump doesn't like to hear the truth. He wants to hear lies because he is a fucking liar. Um, it pisses me off. It makes me kind of mad that this guy who served his, co- his country, excuse me, his country honorable, quitting because Trump is constantly bothering him, pestering him, bullying him. So he's, he's leaving his post. And I'm pretty sure that makes Trump uh, feels good about that. Feels good. That somebody is quitting. It just, it just angers me that Trump gets away with so much. He gets away. He's gotten away with too much. As of now, he's gotten away with a lot of things. But it's going to come all back at him when he's out of that White House. Everything is coming back at him. He knows. That's why he's fighting hard to try to win. But as I've recently said, it doesn't seem like he's actually fighting that hard to win. Because every time he opens his mouth, he lies. And every time he lies, he loses votes. He, he is even putting his own voters, his own base at risk. And that makes me say he's losing more votes. Wow. Uh, let's get back to the, to the uh, excuse me, uh, the evictions. Yeah, this is, this is coming. I hope you heard that uh, clip I played at the beginning of the show and in the middle, middle part of the show. It is, it is going to get even more nightmarish. You know, because a lot of uh, the food, the food is going up. Food is going up through the roof. Because a lot of things, furniture, any, anything that you go out there to buy is going to be a little higher. Because a lot of these businesses, they're going to be trying to reap some of the losses that they incurred during this, during the COVID-19. So prices are going to go through the roof for just about anything you want. And that's going to be bad. And then people... Uh, who haven't been able to pay their rent or their mortgages and they've got three or four months behind on both, they're going to be looking at eviction orders. Yes, uh, this is this is for uh, people who are in homes too, not just renters. I mean, if you're behind, you, behind in your bills, it doesn't matter whether you're a renter or a mortgage holder. These things are going to come back to affect you. And people keep asking me, well, George, what can we do? I don't know. Um, The best thing we can do is vote. The best thing we have is our vote. Get this guy out of there. As Clint Eastwood has said, get this guy out of there. Get Donald Trump out of there. Get this fool out of the White House and we can start to rebuild. Repair the damage that he has purposely done to America. 
purposely done to America. That's the only thing we can do right now. Because right now we have a Senate of Republicans who are his enablers backing him up. We need a new president. We need a uh, a liberal Senate. We need a democratic president. Things will start to change. But Trump has damaged this country so badly and severely, it's going to take decades to get it back on track again. And, and as I've said in uh, a few back shows, uh, some of the changes that are going on in America, they're going to be permanent. Even as Democrats take over, they're going to be permanent. Social distancing may be permanent. Every time you walk into a uh, governmental building, they're going to be taking your temperature before you enter. You go on a job, if you, if you, if you are able to get a job, you're going to have to be tested constantly. Okay, one day you get tested, you don't have the coronavirus. The next day you come back to that job, they test you and you have it. It's going to be some mind-boggling changes, and some of those changes are happening right now. Are happening right now. There's going to be a call for more people to work at home. To social distance from their jobs A lot of people are working at homes right now Uh, I mean, if you go out to some of these stores And you want to buy a computer There's no computers there I mean, everybody has bought computers Especially laptops Because they're going to be doing Virtual meetings Uh, Everything is going to be virtual Instead of you going in for an interview For a job face-to-face with a interview, you're going to be doing it online. Your interviews are going to be held online. Schooling. I think most schools are going to go into uh, uh, virtual at home, even though Trump doesn't want that, doesn't want it, but he's blowing smoke. So It's going to be a lot of changes even after Trump is out, even after this is all over. Some of it's going to stick. A lot of the employers, excuse me, a lot of the employees that have been laid off will never get those jobs again. They're gone. And if some of those jobs do start back up, they're going to be starting back up with less employees. Some of the employers are just ecstatic that they're getting rid of bad employees. They have a reason to get rid of bad employees, the coronavirus. It's going to be a hell of a lot of changes. Some we're going to have to get get used to. Some are going to be pretty tough to take. Some uh, not so tough to take. But the, the it's coming though. Everything is coming. Yeah. So you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. It's great to be back. It's great 
I'm only here to try to help us help us and everyone else out. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Yeah, Anderson Cooper just popped up on my uh, uh, computer here. He's saying that Trump doesn't care about those kids at all. And he doesn't. I was saying this earlier on the show. Trump doesn't give a damn about those school kids. It's all political for him. Open up the schools. Reopen them. The hell with the virus. The teachers will get killed. The kids will get killed or sick. Trump is thinking about votes. It's political with him. Everybody knows that. CNN, MSNBC, I mean, the New York Times, the Washington Post, everybody knows that Trump does not, I know, Trump does not give two shits about the children, about these schools, about the teachers. Neither does Betsy DeVos, his Secretary of Education. She doesn't know squat to begin with. As you always know, Trump always going out hiring people who do not have experience for the positions that they will be holding. Holding. Yeah, so Anderson Cooper from, I believe, CNN uh, just popped up on my computer screen here saying something that we all know is true. Trump doesn't give two shits about your children, my children, or their children especially when it comes to going to these schools, going back to school with this pandemic raging. Now, why would you send kids back to a school with this pandemic raging and people are dropping dead all around you and you're going to send kids back to school without protections, without equipment, just send them there? And basically what she's saying, Betty DeVos, what she's saying is that the teachers and, and the uh, administrators of those schools are responsible for protecting those kids against the, the virus. Who's going to protect them against the virus? Trump is supposed to be providing uh, don't providing protections for those kids. If he's going to tell them to go back to school, tell them how he's going to protect them. The teachers can't protect, protect them, don't know how to protect them because you got to also tell the teachers how they're going to be protected. And Anderson Cooper and everybody else is spot on. This guy doesn't give two shits about your kids. Your, and I would, I would say to school districts, if you can reopen and you got the uh, PPE, personal protection equipment, to protect those kids with, then you can open them. Keep them social social uh, distancing. Betty LaVos don't want to, she's, she's demanding to open the schools and don't even let them, they should not be social distancing. This is what she said. She's demanding. Are they going to take the money away from the schools? They can't do that. That's one of the things about the Trump administration. They're always talking about cutting money, defunding uh, this and that, threatening this and that, and they cannot do it. Just like he tried to stop these two books from publication. He failed at it. Just like everything else, he failed at it. 
And it pisses me off more and more and more to know that he does not care about those kids. He does not care about America. He does not care about you, me, or anybody. He doesn't care what we think. He doesn't care what we say. Fuck us. That's that's what Trump's saying. Fuck all of you. This is what that's that's not me. That's Donald Trump. This is what he's saying. Get everybody back in those schools. Open up those schools. I don't care who dies. I don't care how many dies. Just open them back up. Singapore opened up their schools. Timbuktu, their schools are open. Open up American schools. But the virus will kill everybody. Open them up. We need a new president, period. We need somebody who knows what they're doing. Trump is way over his head. He's too stupid to say that. He's too stupid to acknowledge that. He's way in over his head. He didn't even know he was going to win the election. That's in the book. We know it. Trump didn't know he, he didn't think he was going to win. He actually didn't win. Hillary got the popular vote. She's got just almost 3 million and, uh, more so than him. 2.9 million votes, I believe she got in 2016. How many, how many votes did Trump get? Well, he got 270. When is it that 2.9 million votes is less than 270? This is why I said the other day, the Electoral College has to go. That's a bunch of bullshit. The popular vote should always be the vote to elect an official, to elect anybody. 270 votes. And I don't care how much people talk about an electorate from this state, an electorate from that state, or delegates. Bullshit. It should be the popular vote. The popular vote. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I hope you had a great time, folks. I've had a great time, and uh, we just got to get this stuff right with this uh, with this election come Tuesday. Vote blue. Vote out all Republicans. Get them all out. Uh, a couple of years ago, I said that I wasn't a Democrat and I was not a Republican. I'm more of an independent, something like um, Bernie Sanders. Because I I see both sides and I can criticize both sides, and uh, you know, and, and, and I can make my own judgments, my own points, and, and give my own thoughts to whatever you know will occur. Anyway, the George Wilder Jr. Show it's it's been fun. I hope to well I'm gonna be back here tomorrow. Hopefully I will. And uh, you guys out there, you stay safe. Do all the right things to stay safe. Wear your mask, social distance. Because if you don't do that, this shit is going to get worse. You want to get get this uh, virus out of here. You want to get it down. You want to get it under control. Then follow the guidelines. It is so simple. Wear a mask. Safe distance. That's all. I mean, if you want to wear gloves uh, and if you want to take along some sanitizers, sanitizer, that's up to you. 
But wear your mask. It is so vital, folks. Wear your mask, social distance. And like I said earlier into the show, I do see a lot of more people wearing their masks. But still, too many are not. All right, bye, everybody. Have a good one. Stay safe. Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small.